Hey everyone, Roto World's Josh Norris here to cap off week nine and look ahead to week 10. Double digits. Just yesterday, we were excited about preseason games, and now we get excited about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and Ryan Tannehill and all those dudes. And uh, Peyton and, Barber. And Peyton Barber. Well, don't don't give away the the meat of this podcast, Ray. <laughs> yeah, give away the give away the sneaky Peyton Barber. <laughs> I'm here as always on this Tuesday with Raymond Summerlin. Um, you guys all know him because of his waiver wired column, and maybe on Twitter at is it RM Summerlin something that's like that. accurate. Yes, and because of the Ritter World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. Let's see Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. So Ray. Obviously, your waiver ads are up on Roto World, and now we get to talk about them in podcast form. And once again, it's all about the running backs, baby. Um, let's start with someone who uh, I guess is kind of the third running back in this offense, at least a few weeks ago. And now it appears maybe not necessarily the um, bell cow or overtaking as number one, but Capri Bibbs, who I'm going to ask you we went to college. Um, is now going to split more reps with Devontae Booker, everyone's sweetheart, including yours. I I have no idea where he went to college. Colorado State. Ah, Colorado State. Oh, so he played for uh, the Florida coach, right? Jim McElwain. That's the one. All right, so I I, I didn't I, I only knew the coach. That was it. That's that's the extent of my Colorado State knowledge. I am very disappointed about Devontae Booker, as you as you said. I love Devontae Booker. I still think he's a good player, but it has been it has been ugly these first two weeks with him as the starter. Yep. Last week it, it was kind of understandable because of the matchup. I think the Chargers proved against the Titans that they are a legit run defense, but it it was not a it was not that situation this week. He should have been able to run over the Raiders. Absolutely. It didn't it didn't happen. That's a big concern. They get the Saints coming up, but even though he outsnapped Bibbs forty five to eight last week, everything we heard on Monday seemed to suggest that Bibbs was going to have at the very least a, a bigger role. And Mike Kliss said that maybe Bibbs could even take over as kind of like the one a in a committee. At least that's kind of what he suggested in a tweet. I think that that's madness. I think that that's crazy. I think that Bibbs will get more touches, but I mean, the Broncos are not going to make personnel decisions based on one 69 yard screen pass touchdown that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of came in the dying moments of a game. So, and again, against hope, a bad defense. Yeah. Against a bad defense. At least I, I hope they're not going to make decisions based on that. We'll see what happens. But I mean, the, the reason I liked Booker so much, aside from the fact that I thought he was a good player and we'll, we'll see what happens there is that this schedule is still, great down the stretch i mean they have a couple difficult matchups in the playoffs but it's mostly just prime matchup after prime matchup for the broncos in the running game and that means that bibbs needs to be picked up because even on the off chance that he becomes the lead back that's big upside especially as we head into the fantasy playoffs yeah and i mean we always look for volume but once again this is kind of just a backfield that's at least going to be split um yeah, and I mean, I was excited to see Devontae Booker, Ray, even though, you know, I wasn't his biggest fan coming out of college just because I thought he was, you know, the most talented running back on that roster. And then obviously he does nothing with his opportunities this past week. Uh, let's move on to another running back, um, Chris Ivory, who is kind of the exact opposite of Kareem Ribs in terms of this is someone we all thought was going to have a role in this 
team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then this past week, Ray, it was one of my, like, the crazy quotes of the weekend, you know, where he was brought into the Jaguars to help them convert in short yardage and goal line <laughs> situations so they don't have to lob it up to um, uh, that receiver that, you know, is is just not at what he was, what he was is Allen Robinson. Um but then I guess Gus Bradley said, like, well, we just wanted to change it up and not use Chris Ivory in that situation. Like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, well, we thought about it, and then we disagreed with our own selves. Made no sense. Anyways, Ray, what do you think about Chris Ivory moving forward? Is he I, – I think he kind of looks like the most talented running back on that team. But, again, this is an offense that can't sustain success, it seems like. Well, I mean, he's been one of the most talented running backs in the league for – four or five years no one no one cares to notice I don't think but he's been a very good running back I, I do like TJ Yeldon too but I think it would be difficult to trust this sudden explosion from Ivory if it wasn't for the fact that this is exactly what the Jaguars told us they were going to do when they brought in the new offensive coordinator and Nathaniel Hackett mm-hmm. so they leaned a lot more run heavy than they had been in the past because that was by design and Ivory he played nine fewer snaps than TJ Yeldon but he had 11 more carries 107 yards he did have the fumble at the goal line so you know we'll see how what goes on there to kind of to your to your point I mean I think that this is a situation that at least the Jaguars are going to continue to try to run this type of offense and if you look at their schedule kind of over the next six weeks the only team that really has a chance to blow them out on offense and and make it to where Chris Ivory kind of gets lost in the game flow is the Lions in a couple weeks they face the Texans twice who by the way have a terrible run defense they face some other bad defenses and all that also have bad offenses so I think this is a situation where the Jaguars are in a position with their upcoming schedule where they're probably going to be able to stay in the games probably going to be able to run the offense they want to run which right now I think is a lot more run heavy than it was in the past and that's good news for Chris Ivory I think that if you look down the whole list there are lots of interesting ads at running back but I look down the whole list I think that Ivory is my favorite ad this week at running back just because I think the schedule lends itself to him being able to get 15 carries every week. Mark it down, everyone. Uh, the start of week 10 is when Ray said that the Jacksonville Jaguars will be in a few close games uh, in the next few weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's Hold on. that's so, optimism, I mean, they, Jacksonville they, and Duval. They stuck with the Chiefs. I mean, obviously it was the Nick Foles Chiefs yeah. uh, and Sharkander Quest Chiefs. They have the Texans, the Lions, the Bills, the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Texans. I think Which one of those teams other than Lions is blowing them out? Look, I, it's not like I can pick one out, but odds are, Ray. <laughs> odds are one <laughs> that of them they will, will surprise sure. you. <laughs> sure. Well, maybe not just one, maybe a few. Um, okay, so last time I left it off with you, Ray, on the Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. As the Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. On Thursdays, which you all can check out on NBCSports.com at 3 Eastern, um, we were talking about the Peyton Barber and Anton Smith um, timeshare in that backfield heading into that contest. Then Anton Smith, who I don't know if you could say saw – I mean, I, can, I didn't even look at the numbers, honestly. But he just finished that game with, with an injury, right? And he's out for the yeah. season. Um, so now is it Peyton Barber's backfield when it was Jacquez Rogers' backfield, when it was Charles Sims' backfield that he shared with Charles Sims? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, this has become ridiculous at this point in this backfield with the injuries. Doug Martin didn't practice on Monday, even though – Dirk Cutter said he was hopeful he could return this week. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. I I might be wishing. <laughs> Do you get Google here. alerts on Doug I, Martin? I, I 
I, I have a I have a direct line to Dirk Cutter. Okay. And I'm trying to I'm trying to keep tabs on Martin. I, I still think there's a chance he returns this week. Jacquez Rogers is not coming back this week. He was still in a walking boot on Monday. That means that Peyton Barber could just get the start by default. I mean, they did bring in Mike James, who obviously knows the offense. They signed Russell Hansborough off the practice squad. I'm not worried about that. But I think that it's the most likely outcome here is that Barber is the starter, and so that means that he has some value in fantasy. The problem is the Bears have given up just the fourth fewest points to running backs this season. They get Eddie Goldman back this week. I don't, I'm still not that high on Peyton Barber as a player. It's not a great matchup. Martin is at the very least on the way back. That makes Barber mostly like a, a one-week ad and a mm-hmm. low upside one at that. So I'm not getting too terribly excited about him. But, I mean, if you're a starting running back in the NFL, you have value. And that's kind of how I'm looking at Peyton Barber this week. Right, if, if you have volume. But I will say um, someone who does have optimism for Peyton Barber's talents is Matt Waldman. So if anyone wants to check out any of Waldman's pieces on him, I think there are a few up on the rookie scouting portfolio. And uh, I would I would default to him over well, me no, in, in no, most no, given necess- situations. No, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just throwing out you know another side, another. Um, no, I'm the one saying it. That's that's yeah, from that's I, from Uncle Raymond. Well, this this is two of us saying that he's kind of just adequate at best, but volume plus adequate could equal some points if the situation is right. Uh, Kenneth Dixon, though Ray, on the other hand, Ooh, is someone who now. who I really like. Um, I need to go back and watch his games because he. I mean, well, it was like a, a, a two-thirds to one-third split, I guess, in, in some ways with Terrence West and Kenneth Dixon this week. Um, how would you approach that backfield moving forward? I think that, again, just like with Jacksonville, when, when a team tells you they're going to do something and then they actually do it, then that's that's reason to obviously believe that that'll continue moving forward. So the opposite and, of, of Doug Peterson, the Philadelphia Eagles backfield. Or, or the opposite of anything Jeff Fisher has ever said. And so, or Pete Carroll, for that matter, for all you people really getting really excited about Rawls. So I, I think that there's, there's a reason here to believe that Dixon is going to have the expanded role. The question is, what we saw this week, was that kind of the ceiling for him, or is Dixon going to continue to take more and more of West's work? He, had, he only played nine fewer snaps. He saw five fewer touches. Is this a situation where West kind of keeps that now from the rest of the season, or, is, or does Dixon start to kind of take over the work. Mm-hmm. Neither of the players were, were very good with their touches. Uh, West, I think he gained more yards simply based on a couple catches, but they both averaged 1.4 yards a carry. The Ravens haven't been able to run all year, and the schedule after this week against the Browns, which is just a, it's a great matchup, right. the schedule after this week is pretty tough. So I think hmm. ultimately what we're going to have is that Dixon – is going to end up being more of a drain on Terrence West's fantasy value than he is going to provide standalone value of his own. But that could be wrong. It could be that they just give Dixon the lead job. They don't really trust West and give Dixon the job. And at that point, he's worth adding. So I think he's kind of in that weird middle mix of a, of a bunch of running backs, like running backs like you know Deion Lewis or, or the aforementioned Rawls or CJ Prosize. He's kind of in that weird mix. We don't really know what to expect from him moving forward. So I think he's an ad. And let me just say, I think he's going to be a, a sneaky GPP play at DFS this week. His price mm. is really down on both sites. The Browns are terrible against the run. If it's going to be a week that he's going to blow up, it will be this week against the Browns. But like I said, the schedule gets worse as we move forward. So maybe maybe you know he's going to be someone that's to be a little overvalued after this week. So maybe more of a daily shift than a season-long one. Um, and, and again, we in full disclosure, we record this on Monday evening. So if anything happens during the Monday night game, 
Uh, it obviously will not be included in this podcast, but it will be included in Ray's post on Roto World. Uh, let's also talk about the Titans. This is a team, Ray, that's been very confusing this year as Marcus Mariota's biggest advocate. Uh, the start to the season was, to put it gently, very slow. Um, it was not good. And then, in particular, with Richard Matthews, who they kind of benched at some point in favor of Andre Johnson. And then Andre Johnson did nothing and retires, so they're kind of forced to play in some ways. Richard Matthews, they gave a contract to this offseason. And guess what, Ray? He, he's performed quite well um, and might be their best red zone threat other than I hobbled Delaney Walker right now. What do you think about um, adding Richard Matthews in leagues this week? Well, the first thing I would say is the Titans actually played a real defense this week, and surprisingly, they struggled to run the ball. It's amazing what happens when you face actual defenses. Yeah. But I, I think that it was what you saw from Mariota was promising in that he was able to move the ball even when the running game wasn't working, although he did give up his fourth and fifth defensive touchdowns of the season, which is, which is certainly concerning. And the biggest beneficiary of this kind of pass-heavy attack, Mariota attempted 43 passes in this game, wow. was Rashard Matthews. He had 10 targets. He turned him into six catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns. He's now scored a touchdown in four of his last five games. He has 21 targets in the last three. He's been playing a lot more snaps in the last two games, too, which was something that we didn't see even when he kind of started this run. I still look at this and think that this is all kind of a bit fluky, right? The, the, they want to run the ball when they can, and they are going to have that opportunity as they move forward. The schedule's, you know, they're playing a last play schedule, so the schedule's pretty easy. Um, they might have to throw the next couple weeks, though, with the Packers and Colts on deck. So I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on Matthews. I think he's an ad. I do think that he's someone that that maybe this production's fluky and maybe he's going to disappoint, kind of as Kendall Wright has in the past in the same offense, although Matthews is actually getting the snaps. I think he's worth a look in most leagues, but, but like I said, I, I'm kind of tempering expectations with him because when I look at what he's doing and how he's doing it, it all seems just a bit fluky to me. I haven't checked out the snap counts. Did Kendall Wright snaps um, elevate, increase this week or no? No, not really. Gosh, um, it makes no sense, dude. Yeah, it's... It is deeply, deeply confusing. I have it written down right next to me. For some reason, I can't. Oh, maybe they, they went up a little bit. He played forty-three of sixty-four. Yeah, so they okay. they went up to they went up to two thirds instead of one third. Yeah, but when your best receiver is playing two thirds of the snaps, yeah, that's not good. Man, it makes no sense. Uh, it makes no sense. Okay, Ray, uh, favorite part of the week? Sometimes, at least on on Monday nights when we record this. <laughs> Let's talk about the deep cuts. Um, there are a few names. I won't spoil them, so I'll just let you have the floor. Well, I think the most interesting deep cut for me, and, and this might be interesting if we talk about some of the other ones, is Bryce Treggs, mm. the wide receiver in Philadelphia, who they finally got into the lineup. All it took was them waving Josh Huff, even though Treggs should have been in the lineup a long time. He immediately paid dividends, 58-yard bomb in the second quarter. He only played 15 snaps, but he saw four targets. And the perimeter wide receivers in Philadelphia are bad. Nelson Aguilar is terrible. Doriel Green-Beckham is struggling. The Eagles need speed at receiver, and Treggs certainly has that in spades. I think that he's going to start to play more, and kind of in deeper leagues, I think he's a really interesting name to watch. And it, it seemed like it seemed like Wentz, it seemed like Wentz liked trying to attempt those deep passes, Tim. And, and it, you know, like I said, it worked out on, on one long one. The other really interesting name in deep cuts is Ronnie Hillman who played 16 snaps, which was less than Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon. Mm -hmm. But he had eight touches. That was one more than McKinnon. It was only three less than Asiata. The problem with this is, is it, 
though it looks like Hillman is going to have a role, it seems like he's going to have a role, maybe a growing role, because he was probably the most effective running back for the Vikings against the Lions. The Vikings haven't been able to support even one fantasy-relevant running back this season, and Hillman looks at best to be a part of a two-man committee with Asiata, probably a three-man committee with Jarek McKinnon. As I look at this situation, even in deep leagues, I mean, I guess in the deepest leagues he does need to be owned, but even in deep leagues, I'm just not getting very excited about any running back that plays for the Vikings, much less one that's you know probably third on the list right now. So we open with the Broncos backfield, and we close with a former Broncos running back who kind of gave, gave us headaches throughout his entire time, fantasy-wise, um, during his time in Denver with Ronnie Hillman. How fitting, Ray. How fitting. <laughs> uh, we are here in Week 10, and Ray, thank you again, man. And for everyone out there, uh, you can check out Ray's column again on Roto World, and he'll be hosting this very podcast as he says, uh, on Thursdays with Nick Menzia, Rich Rebar, and I'll be hosting it on Fridays with Evan Silva and Roto Pat. Um, and if you could, rate, review, comment, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, and maybe Evan Silva will throw you a compliment on Friday. Uh, Ray, I'll talk to you on Thursday, buddy. Talk to you later, my friend.